strong families, reading and writing, academics, sports, financial prosperity, love, and so much more I can name that's stripping in black. Welcome to the Dripping in Black podcast, where we celebrate black excellence throughout the black diaspora. Here's your host, David V. Lewis. What's up, good people all across the world? This is the Dripping in Black podcast. I am your host, David V. Lewis. And as always, we have another fantastic guest. Today's guest is Dorian S. Withrow Jr. Dorian, say hello to the world. What's going on, world? Appreciate you for having me. Uh, So we're going to all get to know each other through the course of this conversation. So as our audience knows, we have a loaded but simple question that we like to ask each and every one of our guests to get it started. And that question is, who is our guest? So who is Dorian Withrow Jr.? I am a kind person. I consider myself to be very caring about, you know, the individuals that look like me in my community. I'm a person that is um, seeking to spread my, I would say, gifts and abilities to others so that they can help themselves and the people around them. Yeah, that's dope. Uh, we'll dive a little, we'll dive a lot into those things and those ideas those are principles that uh i think it's a lot more too and so as i was stating we don't really know each other so i want to start with a simple question of uh where are you from from buffalo new york i uh i got in contact with uh mr jones he's over in detroit he runs class act detroit and um we actually did a podcast with him we we went to visit the initiative he's trying to get going. I think he's a uh, close to fishing up, I believe. And um, I got in contact with him. He he brought a few guys their platform. I learned a little bit about it, and uh, I set the contact through, like he recommended. And um, now we're here. Okay. All right. So Buffalo, New York, born and raised in Buffalo. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about your your upbringing. Two parent household. Um, Grew up in the inner city, and I moved into a more suburban area, slightly more suburban area, as I aged. And I had my academic troubles, hmm. not necessarily behavioral troubles, but okay. um, yeah, I think it was like any other childhood. And um, mm-hmm. all right, so Buffalo, uh, born and raised, two parent household. Did you say you started in the city and ended up in a suburban area? Yeah, she wanted a safer um, and better school mm-hmm. for myself and my brother. I have one younger brother. He's um, about three years younger. And um, yeah. from there, it kind of went. Okay. And so the school system that you initially started in, were you having academic challenges there? Or did the challenges start once you left? From the inner city into the suburban area started and carried over <laughs> um okay. so learning was something that it's, it's not you know school system is not adjusted for everybody there are certain yeah. things that can be changed and it's always addressed um it's about just implementing those changes within learning styles 
um, mm-hmm. comprehension and working through some of those issues. So for me, it, it was that. And slowly but surely overcame that as I, um, I don't know how far you want to go into that, but no, it's, oh, it's, it's, so for the most part. Yeah, it's it's your story. So I'm I'm trying to get to, um, you know, so you talked about the academic struggles, but I know that you have a degree and you're working on a second degree, right? Yes, sir. So you went from a, a student that struggled from the beginning, right? Initially in school and carried over as you went into a different school district and what was called a better school, yet you still were able to overcome that and get your degrees, right? Get your degree yeah. and working on your second degree. All right, yeah. so that's kind of where I was headed with that. So let's talk about, um, you wear a lot of hats. Let's talk about the first hat you put on with the various things. So when I mean hats, the information that you provided us, you're a speaker, an author, an activist, a martial artist, a philosopher, a scholar. All right. Which was which hat was the first hat that you put on out of those? Activist. Activist and speaker kind of went hand in hand. So um, okay. my parents involved me in a lot of youth programs. And there I was able to learn about activism and how to approach it was public speaking. So through a lot of the programs I went through, there was a speaking mm-hmm. component talking in front of a lot of large, audi- large audience in a church. Mm-hmm or a conference, something like that, and went over everything you need to know about speaking. And from there, it was kind of the start in high school. That was about early to mid-high school, more so the speaking. And the programs I joined later, they had to deal more with activism. So in that way, I learned about the troubles in the community and some of the aspects, components to combat a lot of those issues. Yeah, let's 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 park there for a minute. So let's be specific. What were some of the troubles in the community that you were drawn to, and how did you go about combating those things? So I would say violence, general violence. I would mm. I kind of loop it in. Gun violence is something that's said to be on the decline here, but still an issue. Mm. And fighting among the youth is one of them as well. And they also, the other issues um, include domestic violence. Mm. They include general issues with schooling as well. The suspension rates we have among our mm-hmm. youth of color and mm-hmm. the detention rates. Mm-hmm. The maltreatment that we experience. And then the in-home environment and how they can improve as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so two questions. The first question is, what about these issues drew you to step up and speak to and be active about shedding light on those things and then combating those things? What what made you say, this is something I need to step up and do? It was almost like intrinsic. When I, when I say that, I mean, like, you know, it was, there's something that just you're passionate about. Like you, you don't have a, ser- like a serious or clear answer for um and for me, it was just like, you don't want to see certain things, like certain things just bother you, certain things just bug you. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was a compilation of those things. And I went into that area because it's causing the dysfunction, the lack of um, 
skills for conflict resolution and the skills mm-hmm. for communication, effective communication. And the resources that we have here um, in some areas aren't sufficient for people to obtain income or see different from their situation to strive for something different. And therefore we kind of, just a small part of it, but we build a cycle of trouble on that. You know what I mean? So um, Mm -hmm. for me, that's why I find that very important. Why I was kind of drawn to those things in particular, but among other things Mm -hmm. too. What age did you get active in trying to combat, learning about this, speaking about this, and trying to combat it? 17, 16. It was, mm-hmm. it was in the programs. It was kind of, it all kind of blended almost. So I can't, it, mm-hmm. it's hard to give you a definitive age, but I would say around there. Um, okay. And that, that was a time of developing the tools to combat it. Well, speaking, for instance, and learning about campaigns. Um being involved in Juneteenth and doing some marches we have here in the past and also just learning about our history as well. So mm-hmm. I th- that's what also fed it too, like fed the, um, the desire to combat those issues. Like learning about our history really uh, dove me into seeing how it connected into now those troubles mm-hmm. and wanting to almost naively undo, you know, what was yeah. done or the results of it consequences that we face now and that are prevalent yeah. within people today yeah yeah uh that made me think about and i'm gonna try to be short with this i'm gonna hopefully i'll get it down like i want to say it but i was i watch uh nba on tnt all the time and uh kenny smith was talking about their run as a champion um when he was with the rockets and he was talking about the need for having people on the team that were delusional <laughs> like they had to believe in the impossible for them to actually achieve that championship you know and so we have such a myriad of issues within our community that seems insurmountable and if you look at it from that perspective people will not get out and get active about it so you have to have a touch of that um, naivety that you spoke of to e- actually even jump in and get involved and think that I can change these things, right? That's at the core yeah. of you actually activating that. Yeah I, yeah, I think you hear it a lot of stuff on the street, even when you're talking to um, anybody, really. These issues are so prevalent, so uh, so much. There's like, it's just tough to combat. There doesn't seem to be a way out. And mm-hmm. people get boxed in to thinking that, why try? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it may get better over time, but not tomorrow. It may get better over time, but it'll take a few years. But why not put your efforts into solving or attempting to solve the issues, doing your part to, you know, alleviate the problems people face every day within the homes, schools? out in the community we can't get necessarily i want to say again, but we can't go into this corner of despair almost you know what i mean yeah, yeah. like nothing can be done or nothing can be improved yeah yeah and if we if we know our history we know we've been through a lot and come through a lot right and so things aren't 
like we would want them to be, but they're certainly a lot better than they once were. And that's because yes. people got active, right? All right, very good. So let's talk a little bit about some of these other things. I'm interested in the martial arts, all right? So talk about your journey into that. Well, I was always interested in it. Um, you know, I, I think you'd see a lot of the movies, like the old karate ones, um, then you can do like Bruce Lee and uh, Kung Fu ones. Ip Man, Ip Man. So it, it was a collective of those that got me interested in like fighting because it just looked fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I always sought to learn, but I didn't, you know, we didn't necessarily have the resources at the time and I didn't have the resources. My grandfather actually introduced me to Ishinru Karate and mm -hmm. we, he would take us out over by the water and we would practice um, every weekend or every other weekend, whenever he had time. And that eventually slowed down, but I was a little older and I got a job and I was able to obtain the income to go do martial arts myself. Mm. And um, it's not cheap, but <laughs> yeah, so it's it started with the fascination through movies and practicing through my grandfather. So he was the uh, catalyst, I would say, for moving into martial arts. And later I went into um, ITF Taekwondo. And there's a difference between mm. ITF and WTF. Mm. WTF is the stuff you see in the Olympics, like the only kicking and, you know, they have beautiful mm. stuff. But um, ITF, I would think, is a lot more well-rounded. And mm. I enjoy it. I, I started 2019 and I stuck with it. I'm doing very well now. And it's something mm. to kind of occupy my time. I'm learning more about myself all the time. And it's kind of, it's almost therapy to me, you know? Okay. All right. What What's your belt? First degree. Yeah, in ITF Taekwondo, there's nine belts, nine black okay. belts. So first, second, third, all the way up to nine. Okay. And um, they're doubled by like the amount of, so for me, it would take one year to get to second degree. Two years to get to third three years mm -hmm. to get the fourth so that it would kind of follow along like that it's very time consuming at times depending on how much you practice but it varies it's also i think fulfilling but it's also it's kind of an investment it's an education you can take on and give to you know the community as well give to people so that they can learn the things that mm -hmm. they wouldn't necessarily be able to go to or afford because mm -hmm. I, I think that's a big um big thing with us too a lot of the martial arts schools or places to learn self-defense aren't within the community mm -hmm. and we it bleeds into the conflict resolution i was talking about and mm -hmm. um engagement and violence you when you do martial arts or any form of fighting you you learn that i mean for one it's dangerous and the potentials for injury um mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have if you don't get involved in that stuff so you you understand violence a little bit more and you're able to use it to protect yourself and others mm -hmm. yeah so martial arts is not really and I'm, I'm gonna speak kind of what i understood about martial arts is really not something you want to get into so you can go out and start whooping people's ass <laughs> right it's really something that's that's designed to give you tenets on how to do more conflict resolution right am i correct in that or am i off base somewhere i would hope people use it for that 
Now, every art has its own kind of philosophy or thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, ITF Taekwondo art tenants is um, Curtis City. Curtis City. Oh, my gosh. Excuse Courtesy me. Of. <laughs> Courtesy of. <laughs> Courtesy. Perseverance. Mm-hmm. Indomitable mm-hmm. spirit. Self-control. Mm-hmm. And more to it. But if you learn those combinations of principles that apply to you can apply to yourself and your interactions with other people in the world so that you behave accordingly and to the best of your ability in your dealings with others. So that's um that's the importance of having philosophy within um or guidelines for conducting yourself in the art so that you don't yeah. misuse it on people. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's dive a little deeper into you. You have a corporation called Withrow LLC. And you are yes, also an author of, uh, I have four books. All right. Talk a little bit about those two things. I started my LLC. Um, a friend of mine, actually, he brought it up to me. I was working on the book stuff. And he was like, um, yeah, you should start it. Get a business going. Because you've got these ideas of well, helping people produce their own literature. And later, um, working with Healing Circles. And uh, I was like, Okay, so he put me on to um, the college has a section of their space dedicated to helping women obtain business stuff and dealings. wasn't really for men, but I went to there to get it done. And he um, <laughs> he told me that. Side note, I was there actually going to get the LLC formed or to have a meeting at least, the initial one, to you know talk about what you want to do. I remember I was waiting on the bench, and. It was like, um, this is the women's business office. I was like, yeah, no, I was, I was just coming. <laughs> and it was like, it was, um, there was a lady at the desk. They, they were fine. They were like, you know, come on through with you. Some people are a little um, exclusive, but mm-hmm. that's, um, yeah, but I, I did, I started that and I got my website going. I thought about it. I'm like, well, I really want to make some cash, but I also want to help people do what I do as well. Mm-hmm. So I, started my um, self-publishing sessions to help people self-produce, self-publish their own literature. Mm-hmm. So they're able to get all the knowledge and necessary resources to make it happen. They avoid a lot of the mistakes I did, and you avoid a lot of the gatekeeping and delays that you would have if you were doing it on your own. And um, not only that, but like the marketing side and some of the tips for you know, writing well and producing. Um, so I, I do have four books. I co-authored the first one, Speak Young Brown People Speak. Alberta mm-hmm. Lampkins, shout out to her. She's the one that helped me produce my first self-published book and set the tone for me to, you know, produce every other book as well. So she okay. taught me what I needed to know to become self-sufficient in producing my own books. And I wanted to be that for other people as well. So um, mm-hmm. I'm grateful to her. And I hope that people listen to that and also think about the people that help them obtain their skills or help them do what they want to do and make it into their own thing, help them produce their own stuff and guide mm-hmm. them and not necessarily a gatekeep in a sense or hold hostage their knowledge to make someone else's life. Well, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about your 
let's let's take a week in your life, a typical week. How are you slicing up your time? What what are you can you got all these hats that you're wearing? What are you contributing from a weekly or you know if you have to extrapolate a little further out? How do you spend time in each of these endeavors um, throughout your schedule? So I'm coming towards the tail end of summer in terms of school. So that'll be starting back up. And um, it's a little dry these days. I, I do Taekwondo. I, mm-hmm. I type a little bit here and there for my next book. So I do some work there. Um, send a lot of emails trying to get in contact with great guys like yourself to get out there a little bit more. And um, it's really a lot more on the communication side these past two months. Mm. Yeah, working and um, it's nothing spectacular. Mm-hmm. It's kind of boring, but you know, it's um, <laughs> I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. What is what is working? Working. So I, I work with people with disabilities, mm-hmm. and it um, it's character building. But at the same time, it's also a job I can make some money on the side, still help get mm-hmm. the money for school so that I can mm-hmm. stay out of debt and you know mm-hmm. do what I want to mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. I've been I've been I've been actually hanging out with um family a bit more. My brother and uncle, we've been going to the gym more and mm-hmm. um spending some time. Yeah. So family time is also important to me. I, I like I like to engage and talk to them, have fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the picture's coming clear for me. All right. So basically what I'm hearing is you got a job, a nine to five, and that's that's the constant that you have, but you have greater aspirations to do some other things. Yes. So the nine to five kind of stabilizes you, allow you to to go to school and do the and set the foundation for the, the things that you are, are wanting to do. Right. Yep. All right. So good. So you have these this vision for assisting others and learning, having them learn the things that you've learned along the way. On a scale of one to 10, how is that going for you so far? With one being this sucks and 10 being this is spectacular. When you, um, when you apply what you've learned to yourself and move throughout your day, it's not necessarily like the business aspects or um it's just walking out on the street if you see something wrong maybe your level of involvement maybe depending on what the situation is i had a situation it was um i remember i was at a train station and there was a fight about to happen so i had um gotten the authorities involved to help you know just separate the two dissolve the situation and I was uh, I was contacting somebody about it, and uh, he was like, you know, you shouldn't get involved. You shouldn't do mm-hmm. that because, and I understand the risk. You know, you mm-hmm. call you, you know, and then it's mm-hmm. like, um, for me, it's like it's not this being a hero or a macho thing. It's just like, again, who's gonna reduce the issue? Who's gonna alleviate mm-hmm. the problem? Who's gonna mm-hmm. come to not not be Superman, but to help reduce some of the problems that we face? Like, mm-hmm. all right, and being complacent and allowing something to happen, kind of just you fall in line then. And then, are you mm-hmm. are you really this person that 
wants to change? Are you really this person that, um, mm-hmm. are you really as brave as you think you are, as courageous as you think you are? Are you really mm-hmm. this person that really wants to help people? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Outside yeah. of that, there's, um, I like to carry a book with me when I'm out and, out and about. I walk with my pants around my waist and when I talk to people, it's kind. When I talk to people, my speech mm-hmm. is clear. And mm-hmm. I want to make sure that if I can help somebody, whether with some small advice or minor need, then you know I'll do that. You know, mm-hmm. I, have, I have no problem with engaging people. So living through your day-to-day, kind of learning what you've learned, either in school or in life, mentor, coach, whatever it may be. How can you act out what you've learned and shed some light on everyday activities and help others? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm still going to stay on my point, <laughs> which is yeah. on a scale of one to 10, you know, how you envision what you the impact you're trying to have in the world around you. Right now, where would you place it? Is it one like what I'm doing sucks? Or 10, what I'm doing is fantastic or somewhere in between on that scale. Where would you rank it currently? I would say I'll give myself a seven. Okay. Now, um, I say that in comparison to others, and some people may uh, disagree with that and don't do that. But mm-hmm. but um, I want to strive for the best that I can do. And mm-hmm. I want to be at the top of the mountain for whatever I'm mm-hmm. striving to do. So mm-hmm. when I, I give myself a seven, what others may consider a 10 is in relation to others that are really doing phenomenal stuff in their community, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. 10 times more than what I'm doing or what I think mm-hmm. I'm doing. And mm-hmm. I would like to see myself really get up there with those people that are really pushing the boundaries and making things happen. The movers mm-hmm. and shakers like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that leads into my next thing. So let's say we had a switch that we can hit and we flip that switch and and you are exactly where you want to be impacting lives the way you want to impact them. What does that look like, right? What does your life entail? What are the outcomes that you're accomplishing when when you've reached the 10 and you're doing exactly what you want to do? I would say selling more books and um, mm. really having dialogue with mass audiences about um, self-improvement and improving the lives around you. I see it as a bit more busy and um, more in the limelight in the sense that I can not necessarily seeking recognition, but to be in a place where I can be a resource to a lot of people, mm. you know, directly or indirectly. Mm. For me, that is, um, I hope my answer is clear on that one, but that's, that's for me. That's, um, that's how I see it. Yeah, no, that's, that's very clear. <laughs> All right. And so the follow-up to that one is, right. This is dripping in black. We go out to the world. We have people listening to us all around the world. I want you to speak to our audience. How can they support you in getting you from your seven to your 10? What is something they can tangibly do 
to support your aspirations of impacting in a positive way the lives of others? I would say um, check my social media, follow, friend request, whatever. Um, share podcasts like this, like I'll be doing. Um, listen to the message, spread that message, and you know, live through what you learned. I think that's the best way to do that for me. Um, check out my books. I think they're phenomenal. Of course, that's subjective, but it's um, it's a variety of things that give people different flavors for different types of readers, and um. It's meant for those who, for anybody who needs extra boost. But you can buy mm. your books, buy my books, by bswjr.com. Um, and there you, you'll be able to click on the book links and it'll show up the variety of websites you can choose from to buy from. You can buy from me directly, send me an email on the website. And yeah, and then you'll be able to see my social media, more stuff about myself. And I'll be um, putting up some more things on platforms in terms of, the podcast I want to display for the um, generosity that you know they've given me that you've given me. So g- dswjr.com, dswjr.com, you'll be able to find everything there. Yeah, awesome. That's that's exactly where I was going with that. All right, give us the book titles that you have. It's four books, right? Yep. So the co-author yeah. book, "Speak, Young Brown People Speak." We are listening. Speak, Young Brown People Speak, We Are Listening. My first self-published book is Thoughts of Creativity King, 114 Realities. Mm-hmm. Thoughts of Creativity King, 114 Realities. My third book, but second self-published book, is Wisdom 45 Advice. Okay. And Wisdom 45 Advice. The last book I published is more recent. It's in June. Um, I'm excited about this one. It's a dialogue-based book, but it's all, it's centered around self-help and changing mm-hmm. perspective that's called um conversations you need conversations mm-hmm. you need and you'll be able to check mm-hmm. those out on my website again dswjr.com um mm-hmm. yeah so in, in those books um they're one poetry based that's the first self-published one creativity king so like haikus and short stories drawn blanks there's so much there's pictures and mm-hmm. there's um spoken word so there's a flavor mm-hmm. for the creatives for the people that okay. generally just want to read and it's kind of their thing. They like essay based books. There's two mm-hmm. pictures in there for wisdom, 45 advice, and it's more essay based scatters of poetry in there. Still kept it in mm-hmm. um, conversations. You need, it's more of a dialogue based book as if you're reading it to text. I've written mm-hmm. that for people that don't necessarily read, you know, you're not going to fall mm-hmm. asleep. You're not going to mm-hmm. look at it and be like, Oh, this is so much right. It's digestible mm-hmm. and it gets to the point. And help you receive mm-hmm. what you need to um, make progress in whatever area of thinking you can conceive of. Mm-hmm. All right. Fantastic, man. Uh, drop your social media. I know you gave us your website, but what, what other social media can people reach out? They're interested in your story, finding your book and learning more about you. And it's just get in contact with you. Keep drop that social yep. media for us. Facebook, Dorian. SWJR, Facebook, Dorian, SWJR. And uh, my Instagram is DSWJR.18, DSWJR.18. Um, you, also, you might also see like um, DSWJR.22. This, it's another page I have. I, just, I, was, I was supposed to 
Um, my LinkedIn, Dorian Scott Westbrook Jr. You'll be able to add me there. Um, um, I couldn't read that message. I tried. I was, <laughs> I was lost in thought. But um, those are my social medias. Um, that's my website. And um, oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, we have the, the the people that are familiar with Zoom. We have the chat spot open, and our community, our producer communicates through that chat a lot of times. Sometimes it's for me. I actually didn't have it uh, where I could see it, so I didn't notice it was up until you said something. But uh, good stuff there. All right, so I got a couple more questions. The last question is the 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 most uh, interesting question I think that we ask, but. The previous, the question prior to that is, uh, what's next for you? All right, what's what's on the horizon? What's coming up? Uh, um, school. So <laughs> I'm excited about what I'll be learning and what I can apply. Also, I had a very interesting idea. So when I'm in these um, classes and when I get into my practice, I want to. It's a really cool idea. I want anybody to steal it. I'll go over it. So what I'm going to do is <laughs> we have um, editing power. So if you want to, if you want us to cut it out, we can do it. So all right, you, you can probably cut it out, but God, it doesn't matter to me. I don't know. But um, so as I'm interviewing people, I want to legally but confidentially have these conversations with others that may be going through the same thing, and you know, be able to at that time give advice or help them through an issue. Um, perceive something differently and you know grow and also to help people do that but also to share that you know they're not the only person and i think we lose sight of that sometimes when we're going through our troubles what i've I've learned um this is another uh, small story i have it's from when i was i was hit by a car when i was younger so i had my leg broken and i was laid up Mm -hmm. for a while i had a tutor come to the house he um i remember i was complaining one day just, you know, casual conversation starter. I don't know if I was trying mm-hmm. to get out of doing the lesson that day or something, but, you know, you fake <laughs> a little bit and, you know, you'll go away. <laughs> um, I was like, oh, man, my leg hurts. And he was like, um, in short, he was like, suck it up. But in the long answer he gave, you know, he works with people that had injuries like me, but they have mm-hmm. even worse things. Like this leg was mm-hmm. going to heal. I'll be fine walking in no time. For mm-hmm. others, they can't walk. For some people, they can't move their hands. They can't turn their neck. They can't really talk well or they may not be able to talk as well at all. A slew of situations where people just may not be living very long. Mm-hmm. So he was essentially telling me, <laughs> of course, what you're going through is not ideal, but it is not the worst thing. you know. Mm-hmm. And you're not the only one dealing with it. You're not the only mm-hmm. one going through that. I got another story, sidetracked. It was, uh, it was along the same lines. I was um, I was in the hospital. I had a, I had a little bit of pride to me, right? So this is mm-hmm. like after the first surgery, I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to get out and be seen in a wheelchair by anybody. I just thought mm-hmm. that that was like, you know, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't shake myself. My my little twelve year old pride couldn't handle it. Um, I don't want to be seen in a wheelchair. They, my mother and the nurse eventually convinced me. To go down to the playroom with the nurse. So he wanted to go down there and kind of just get out and do something. And I was mm-hmm. there just kind of playing up in the bed watching, um, scared straight, like since 1 a.m. 
And um, yeah, he brought me down and that pride went away very quickly. I saw children who were bald. I saw people with IVs, um, broken arms, and mm-hmm. slew of things. I, I don't know their specific conditions, but I, they were visibly in you know their own struggles. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I'm like I'm I'm not the only one, you know. Mm-hmm. And we may not necessarily have this playroom, you know. We or we at least don't acknowledge it or see it or recognize it. But yeah. We're all in a big playroom with people that have their own issues, either equivalent or higher. And it puts some perspective on um, complaining. It puts some perspective on, um, you know, seeing your conditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, you, you talked about the importance that learning your history played in kind of guiding you into the uh, activism well, I'm by nature a, a, a history teacher. Uh, that's my that's my bread and butter. And uh, you know, I just think about how important it is, with from a history standpoint, not just knowing people, but understanding context. Yeah. Right, the context is huge, you know. And so there's different things that are going on throughout history. But you have to understand the context of the time to really fully get it. And so oftentimes we can't, it's like, um, I'm going off a little bit. It's like we do these things about the GOAT. We talk about Michael Jordan. We talked about LeBron James. Well, Michael Jordan's getting so much older now, people don't even really understand the impact that he had when he was playing. Right. It's go beyond just his playing. And you cannot recreate that context for people with the exception of perhaps a documentary or a movie. If it's done right, it can the movie can elicit some of the same feelings that you would have felt if you were actually there. I don't Mm -hmm. I can't think of any other medium that does that, you know, but the context of history is important to fully understanding the history in itself. And the context of what we're going through helps us to understand exactly what we're going through a lot better. If we're not isolated in our situations, right? There's always yeah. something comparable. And there's almost always something that's a lot worse <laughs> than what you're dealing yeah. with as well. And you know, so it puts you in contact. All right, man. Great conversation. I feel like I could talk to you a little bit more about some things and go in depth. Um, I'm excited for you. Uh, I just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing and keep focusing on what you're focusing on. Keep that same spirit, man. Good things are going to happen for you. But I must get to the most important question that we like to ask all of our guests. You ready? (laughs) I'm ready. All right. Have you ever been on the cover of a magazine? No, I really want to. You do? I do. Oh, you know what? No, okay. I'll take that back. We um um it was a while ago though. So we I did a Jack and Jill of America. Now it was a it was a magazine that we made within an organization. I got it. Mm-hmm. It's in the other room though. I, I got it though. It's um so 
that was the only magazine I was on the cover of, and that that would count. So that would be my uh, first magazine. Okay, a Jack and Jill magazine cover, and you were the feature of the cover, or you were just placed on there? Uh, the whole group was, so we were in a group, but because mm-hmm. um, this young guy's about like eight of us, and we all got like it was a GQ photo shoot almost. Yeah, we all got okay. in our suits and took the picture. We all got our individual uh, pictures as well, the group pictures for that magazine. I can mm-hmm. uh, I can take some pictures and send that to you guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, we'll definitely get that. But let's get to why I asked that question. For each and every one of our guests, we placed them on the Dripping in Black magazine cover. And so S Squared Sean Smith oh, is going to show you your Dripping in Black cover. That's dope. <laughs> All right, so let it be known that this is the first cover that you were the feature. There's nobody else there. And it's the Dripping in Black magazine cover. All right. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. That is also a parting gift. We print those out, laminate them, and send them to our guests as a big thank you. If you look over my shoulders, these are guests from our first three seasons, I think. Yeah. Um, kind of sp- splashed in there. We got so many, we we can't get them all on the wall, but and we got two up here that we're aspiring to get one day. Uh, I see, I see. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's a big thank you for coming out um, and sharing your story with us. And uh, like I said, man, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen with you in the future. Uh, you impacting lives in a positive way. Uh, any shout outs that you want to give before we close this thing out? Um, I think I got my shout outs out the way. I want to shout out Dripping and Black podcast for having me. You guys were very generous. I didn't even expect the magazine, but and I'm gonna I'm post that too. I'm I'm excited about that, and um, I, I appreciate you for helping me promote and elevate my voice, and I I also appreciate what you're providing for people as well. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. I appreciate. It. Thank you for that, and uh, the the pleasure is all ours. We thank Dorian S. Withrow jr for stopping by the dripping in black podcast remember we have the dibk drip shop in which you can find dripping in black t-shirts shirts and coffee mugs and all kind of things that's dripping in black designed to represent black excellence if you need something in your life to represent black excellence i ask that you go to the dibk and copy something from that website. All right. As always, a huge thanks to all of our listeners, viewers, supporters, and subscribers. And until next time, be kind, be loving, and be excellent on purpose. It is a choice. On the next Dripping in Black podcast is hairstylist and entrepreneur, Miss Whitney Marie. Oh, it had a huge impact on me. So um, I was around a lot of people um, that was basically on their grind. So that pushed me. I always had a lot of ambition within myself, too. So um, that just kind of like lit a fire up under me, being around like-minded people. And then also, too, like even a shop that I was at, the owner of the shop actually like uh, had people come in and like teach us different classes. So 
the atmosphere of the shop. The shop was just like really pretty. It was pink, uh, black with mm -hmm. glitter walls. So that was even more inspiring to me to just like continue to go further with doing hair. You have just experienced a Dripping in Black production.